Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Hey Coach Tony. I'm your host, Tony Fiorino, and each week here on Hey Coach Tony, we tackle the hottest topics in youth sports, and we want to hear what you have to say. So we've already opened up the studio lines at 855-HEY-COACH. That's 855-439-2622. I want to remind you again, as always, uh, it's it's getting tougher and tougher to say it, that uh, the show is being brought to you in part by our good buddies at Catamount Ski Area in uh, in Hillsdale, New York, and the lovely Berkshires. I am proud to say that I was finally able to give away the last of the free passes to Catamount for the season, and I think it's going to be just in time before it turns into Catamount Family Waterslide Park. But anyway, um, this week... I came across an article that got me thinking, um, and, and this is a topic that's been around for a long time, but this article really shed some new light on it. And I'm speaking, of course, um, about minimum grade requirements for student-athletes in America. So joining me in studio to discuss this is none other than our good friend Joe from Brookfield. Joe has been a longtime listener but only recently started calling the show, and uh, after his last call, I decided to invite him into the studio, so we'll see how he does. Joe, good morning. Welcome to the show. Tony, great to be here. Thanks so much. <laughs> By the way, um, during the course of the week, I learned that Joe from Brookfield isn't just some guy from Brookfield who's interested in sports. Um, he's actually got a pretty impressive background, so I'm even more excited to have him in here. He was actually born and raised just outside of Philadelphia. He attended Pace University from 95 to 99, played baseball there studied communications, had his minor in education. He was captain of the 1996 American League, American Legion, rather, national championship team. In fact, his team, if I understand correctly, you guys beat Ben Sheets? Yeah, that's the one name that I have to throw out there to get any type of credibility. <laughs> Otherwise, people hear American Legion and say, oh, not interested. Well, yeah, you know, in my neck of the woods in New York, American Legion ain't big at all. But you beat Ben Sheets. I don't know how else. I can't top that. He struck out Sammy Sosa and Joe Ferraro, so we're, we're excited to be, uh, to be linked that way. <laughs> you can be linked with Sammy. All right, cool. I like that. Um, Joe went on to uh, be hired at Manhattanville College at the age of 21 as the youngest college head baseball coach in the entire country. That same year, he accepted a full-time teaching position in the Valhalla School District in Westchester County, New York. Now, after five years as the winningest coach in Manhattanville College history, uh, he resigned and is currently ready to embark upon his seventh year uh, coaching in the Valhalla High School baseball program. Joe, let me tell you, again, what an honor it is to have you. Uh, you ready to talk about some minimum grade requirements? Yeah, you made me feel very old with that resume there. Uh, it was uh, It's scary that it flew by that fast, but definitely I'm excited to be here. As old as you feel, I believe I am 10 years on you, so let's let's put this in perspective. All right, let's first... By the way, we're going to take your calls at 855-HEY-COACH. It's 855-439-2622 if you want to add something about uh, minimum grade requirements. But let's first talk about what we know is fact. It has been proven in several studies that high school athletes tend to have higher GPAs than non-athletes. That is, that is a fact, not my opinion. Another fact, school districts and athletic directors are ever-increasingly on the hook to parents and taxpayers in their respective communities to maintain and upgrade proper athletic codes. Another fact, the issue of student-athlete academic performance is beginning to get swept under the rug, and in a lot of cases, it's just got to change. Um, interesting to note here is that one of the biggest bones of contention in these cases of minimum academic requirements is that parents and coaches believe that it is unfair 
to hold athletes to any standard, much less a higher standard. Don't know what you guys think about it, but give us a call at 855-HEY-COACH. Let me start with this, Joe. First of all, in the Valhalla School District, do you guys have minimum grade thresholds for your athletes? It all centers around passing, um, and, and it's it's not going to sound certainly not going to sound like a higher standard. But it's the same for all student athletes as well as anyone who's not involved directly in sports. You must be passing. You can be failing no more than two classes. So when the report cards come out, if you're failing more than two, you're ineligible. Two puts you on probation, and there's a, a system of checks and balances that goes along with it. So you so, and I'm going to shortcut this. So in Valhalla. You can fail two classes in a semester and still be academically eligible. That sounds like an oxymoron. You can fail two classes and be eligible. That is correct. All right. Now, listen, in all fairness, you're not the athletics director, and I will not call out the athletics director by name, but at least it's a standard. It's a starting point. All right. I'll give you guys that much. Um, but but getting back to the whole notion of whether or not minimum grade standards are fair – let me give you some examples of some places that have some pretty stringent rules in place. And we'll do some comparisons to the, uh, <laughs> the Valhalla schools. I don't mean to giggle, but I know you look, you felt bad saying it. I, I, listen, I, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you off the hook. Let's talk about some places that have gone pretty stringent on this. In the late 80s, and the, again, this is fact, in the late 80s, the Los Angeles Unified School District instituted a rule that stated, and I will quote, to be eligible for participation in extracurricular activities, students must maintain a C average in four subjects and have no failures. Now, in 84, the entire state of Texas, pretty big place, they introduced a no-pass, no-play rule that stated simply enough that athletes could not have any failing grades whatsoever if they were to participate in any sporting activities. Now, Joe... California and Texas, two places where high school sports, pretty big deal. Let me ask you this. Based on them instituting these rules, you got any idea what happened to a lot of the student-athletes based on these rules going into effect? My, my gut feeling says they're going to probably rise to the occasion, uh, you know, but I, I, I would be very interested to see what happened. Well, I will give you a lot of credit because most people will have a knee-jerk reaction and say, well, you raise the standards, of course there's going to be kids that are going to fail, and then it's going to ruin their sports program. So initially... You're part right. Initially, a lot of students became ineligible. And naturally, the coaches and parents, they went nuts trying to get these rules changed back. The good news is the administrations held firm with these rules because they knew it was a long-term benefit to the kids. Um, Let me ask you, I'll ask you this. What do you think about the parents and coaches and their knee-jerk reaction to, hey, some kids are now ineligible, we want to change this? What's, What's your initial thought on that? I feel like the first conversation of the year uh, after the team is selected is always something like athletes are held to a higher standard. On this team, you must represent us inside the classroom. On my teams, we always talk about the priority system. We do family, school, and then baseball, a distant third. It kills you to say it, but that's the absolute truth of the matter. So I feel like that's something that's echoed time and time again. Coaches are obviously in a difficult position where you you want to say, we are holding you to a higher standard. Sure. But legally and, and in, in accordance with school policy, you can't do it. I think well, Valhalla, I'll, I'll, hang on a second. I'm not sure that that is true. Um, legality, I don't know. If there's a lawyer out there that's calling and you don't get pissed off at all the lawyer jokes I make, call the studio and let us know. Because I know that there are coaches who will say, hey, you know what, the school's got a 2.2 minimum grade uh, average requirement, but you want to play on my team, I want a 2.5. Now, I don't know if you can kick them off the team, but you can sure put them on the bench. 
Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't have a lot of experience with that. It doesn't come into effect too often at, at the JV level. But I will, I will say that I, I can't imagine that conversation with the athletic director going well where you say, why isn't Jimmy playing? Because he doesn't have the 2-5. It sounds great in theory. I think that's one of those things. Maybe legal was the wrong word. But in practice, mm-hmm. I Practicality, can see, I, could, I understand what you're saying. I, I see it being a nightmare in some ways. Well, interestingly enough, as you had alluded to when I first asked you the question, after all that static over something that the kids had to, uh, you know, was clearly done in the long-term best interest of the kids. Um, how long do you think the coaches and kids had to endure this hardship of, of ineligibility? <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll give you the answer to that one. In a matter of two years, just two years, both in both of these cases, the percentage of students who were ineligible had returned back to the same exact levels as they were before the rule was put in place. Hmm. So what does that tell you? I, I think it's great. I, I think it sounds great. I think that uh, you're right. You have that dip right away when you initially put into new change. But I have to do say that, you know, the Valhalla policy, I haven't extensively researched the, the county, but I would say that it seems very consistent with what other schools are doing in terms of treating student athletes the same as, as, as regular student, student bodies. So I think it, it, it's a difficult thing to just I tell you, when you threw that policy at me, I said to myself, I'm going to write this out and I want to look at this. And, and it <laughs> seemed high. And, and the only variance that I really found was that some schools, if you fail two classes, you're ineligible. Yep. Instead of three, three seemed a little high. But I didn't come across a lot of minimum requirements where the grade point average had to be a certain level. And, and you're not alone. Um, well, I'll tell you what this little exercise showed me, and it showed me what we all know. If you're a coach, or former athlete, current athlete, whatever, what do we know? You put challenges out there for athletes. And for the most part, they will do what they have to to meet those requirements on and off the field. And they proved it. In just two years, it was as if that rule had never been put in place, at least percentage-wise. All the kids raised their grades. So in a lot lot of cases, some of these athletes are saying, what can I do just to skate by? But guess what? You raise that bar, and they're going to have to skate at a different pace, and that's important. Now, the study that – by the way, 855-HEY-COACH – is the number here in the studio. That's 855-439-2622. If you want to talk about your own minimum GPA requirements in your school system or tell me I'm full of it or whatever. Uh, but this study that I keep alluding to, I'll give you a little more background on it. This study randomly selected 125 high schools across 48 of the 50 United States, and they basically compared their requirements for eligibility. Now, the focus was on four specific um, academic eligibility areas. One was minimum individual GPA for the athletes for eligibility. Two, as we talked about earlier, is the maximum number of Fs or failing grades that an athlete can have and still be eligible. Three was the time frame for suspension for the athletes that did not achieve the minimum requirements. And fourth, uh, whether or not the school followed individual state association guidelines for academic eligibility. And you touched on that, and we're going to get to that one in a bit. But before we get any further, I want to start on the first one here. Let's talk about minimum GPA requirements, and we started touching on it a little bit. Um, in these 125 schools that were surveyed, the minimum GPA for eligibility ranged from, on the low end, n- no requirement whatsoever, to on the high end, I think 2.5, which I believe is a C plus. All right, so just to put it in perspective, when I was in school, 2.5 was a C plus. Um, some of the schools didn't include a GPA, but they did require a percentage grade for all their classes, something like, you know, between a 60 and 70 percent. Uh, here's what I found interesting from the study. Many of the schools in the study have indeed considered including a GPA in their academic standards for eligibility, but guess who strongly opposed this move? Uh, 
I'm scared to say that it might be the parents. Well, that was my first guess, too, and you and I would both be wrong. The number one area of kickback for instituting a minimum GPA for athletic eligibility came from the coaches. That was really disheartening. The coaches were the ones saying, not fair that the athletes have to have a minimum GPA. I, I, I didn't get it. I still don't quite get it. I'm used to the parents being whiny little brats, not used to the coaches doing it. But of these, uh, getting back to the study, <clears throat> of the 125 schools included, only 31, only 31 schools instituted a minimum GPA for eligibility. That's a very tragically, tragically low number. But you want to hear something more shocking? Um, only 19 had a GPA requirement of 2.0 or above. Do you feel like the coaches that are opposed to it, and this isn't necessarily my argument, but the, the counter argument I can see would be, what about Susie in the play? Does Susie, who has the lead in West Side Story, also have to have a 2.5, you know, using the word equity? Now, we did start the show with talking about higher standard. You and I both athletes once upon a time. We coaches now, we want to hold them to the higher standard. But can you see another coach saying, we're trying to have equity across the board here and, in a sense, not punish a kid who struggles academically? And I think, you know, just some of it is also natural fear that the coach would lose one of the best players. Mm -hmm. I don't think any coach says... I don't want to lose a, uh, my best player if he's failing or if he's not meeting a standard, but we do have to look at all other students in the in the student body. Um, I think that's a sound argument in uh, in most cases. I will tell you, just being a sports bigot, and I am uh, cop out because I, I, I personally, I'll, I'll look at guys, uh, and I keep using Tony DiMatteo as an example. He's just a, an amazingly heralded, legendary football coach. He's a friend of mine. He's been on the show a number of times. Um, Tony doesn't care what anybody else is doing. Tony gives each of the kids a planner. He says, if I catch you in the hallway and you don't have your planner, you're going to sit. If your homework isn't written in that planner, you're going to sit. And if you, if you dare <laughs> say, well, what about Susie in the school play? He'll take your planner and he'll hit you repeatedly over the head with it until, until you realize what a stupid question that was. Now, it doesn't mean you feel that way. It's actually a very good point, and I'm sure that's one of the parts of that argument. No question about it. Um, and we're going to talk about more of that in, in, in just a second. But before we go, we have to go to break for a quick second here. Coach Tony. Hey, welcome back, everybody. You're with Hey Coach Tony this Saturday morning. want to remind you that uh, not too far down the horizon, we are going to be live. Uh, several new venues, actually. The Hey Coach Tony show is growing like a weed. We are going to be featured live on a website that you've got to check out called iHigh.com. That's the letter I, H-I-G-H.com. There's going to be a Hey Coach Tony channel. And you can also broadcast your own local high school sporting events live on the Internet for anyone in the world to see. Pretty cool place. Uh, I believe starting next week the show is going to be live there. Similar company called HighSchoolCube.com is going to be carrying the show. And last but not least, like I said, our buddies at CPTV Sports will have uh, some Hey Coach Tony goodness all over the TV screen for you before too long. All right, we're talking about minimum grade requirements in high school athletes and uh, the policies or lack thereof in many high schools and the standards to which we're holding our athletes. we got Joe from Brookfield, uh, Coach Joe from Brookfield, joining us in the studio today. And he's doing a great job with us so far. Before the break, we were talking about how coaching, uh, the coaches and the coaching staffs were vehemently opposed initially to a lot of these minimum GPA requirements. And, and i got to tell you, um, only 19 Schools of the 125 that were surveyed had a GPA requirement of a 2.0 or above, and that's a C. That's that's middle of the road, and it was really depressing. But you know what? I'm going to get even more sobering on this one, and I'm going to put it in plain language. Uh, and I'm embarrassed to say it. In 94 of these 125 schools, athletes could be eligible with a GPA of a 1.0 or even lower. That is a D 
average. That is barely passing. That is minimum barrier to entry for having a pulse, in my opinion, in a high school. I'm sorry. You want me to say it more plainly? Get your arms around this one. In a worst-case scenario, a student could be eligible to play in some of these schools by getting, and I did the math on this, four Ds and three Fs. That would be a GPA of a whopping 0.71, and in some of these schools, a kid could be eligible to play. Joe, what, what, how, do you, how, do you, how do you explain that one? Well, it's, it's definitely accurate because, as we talked about earlier, you can be failing two classes um, and, and not being eligible. So clearly you could definitely have a D average, something I actually thought about. When you put it in that language. I'm going to say it again. Four Ds and three Fs in the same semester. It's not impressive. <laughs> it's not impressive. But I think if you look at it the other way, you're, you're, you're setting up a standard where an athletic director, uh, in accordance with all the state policies and procedures, which we know how we feel about many of those, would have to say, even though you can go to the play, you can be in the school newspaper, if you play a sport, we are taking a stance and we're saying, no, you have to have a 2.5. Now, at the college level, it's 2.0, so it's not impressive there either. And it, depending on the different tiers, playing at a small Division One, that was 2.0. Not impressive. Mm -hmm. Your parents, my parents said, that's not going to cut it anyway, so hopefully we're getting it getting it across at home as well. I, I, I'm going to say it one more time. 0 0.71, four Ds, three Fs. Now, by the way, and you, you keep going back to the play, and, and maybe I didn't state this clearly enough, and I know I didn't because I, I, didn't even, I had to think about it twice. <clears throat> A lot of these minimum GPA requirements are for all extracurricular activities. So in those cases, the school play, the chess club, uh, even though, I, I mean, hate to make generalities, but someone in the chess club probably is going to get at least a 2.0 anyway. But the point is, uh, you know, it's it's. I, I think you'd be better. You'd have more of my respect if you just said we don't care what your grades are, versus saying, hey, guess what? Um, Tony Fiorino met academic eligibility by getting. And I'll say it again: four Ds and three Fs. I almost think you'd get more credibility to say, you know, we obviously we're gonna not, we're not gonna hide the fact that we don't care about their grades. I mean, I've been accused of being an optimist in, an optimist in the past, and I'll do it again. Um, you started the show with a, with a statistic that I, you took the words out of my mouth, and it, it was it was one of my major arguments, so to speak. Consistently, athletes do better than non-athletes. That is a fact. It is. So, and and we knew that, and and we suspected that. I think another piece to that puzzle is: is there a shred of evidence out there that says if you take an athlete off the team, his grades will improve? Wow. I, you know, I didn't think of it that way, and it's almost it's a little bit of a catch-22. If we're going to insist that having the good grades, or I should say, we're going to insist that being an athlete will get you better grades, then maybe you're taking away the kid's only vehicle to improve his grades. But at the same time, being an athlete doesn't guarantee good grades either. It, it, what it does guarantee you if you even remotely apply yourself is incredible time management. I mean, the one thing I loved about being an athlete is I just didn't have time to not do my homework. I didn't have time to sit down in front of a TV or a video game and eat a bag of chips. I just had to get my homework done. My kids are in the same boat, and you know what? They, they do have good time management skills. Now, we're going to talk in a little bit about uh, this isn't just a punishment. There's a rehabilitation purpose behind all this, too, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. But on the upside of this equation, I do want to say that the strictest of the schools, and I said this earlier, required a grade point average of a 2.5 and no Fs. So there, there's, there's hope. There's hope. We're not doomed as a society, at least not just yet. Now, by the way, it is important to note that all the states 
I'm sorry, all states require a minimum number of courses that you have to take um, in order to even participate in athletics and extra extracurricular. So you can't just not take classes. We got that going for us. Um, another thing worth noting is that four schools in this study uh, required students to have an attendance rate of 80% or better to participate al along with the ac uh, academic criteria. So there are some high bars that are, that are being set out there. All right, 855-HEY-COACH is the number in the studio. It's 855-439-2622. Now, we're going to go on to the second point here because after grade point average, the most popular criteria uh, in many of the schools is the number of Fs. And we, we touched on it, the number of Fs a kid is allowed to have per semester. The study showed that the number of Fs a student can have and still be eligible range from, like I said, no Fs on the high end to as many as three. Can you really imagine a kid in your own school being able to play with three Fs? No, it's, it's not a good situation for sure. Um, I feel like the one F is, is that exemption for just things that went terribly wrong. Yep, anybody uh, can screw up. You mess up once. You know, once you start getting into two, it gets into a little bit more dicey territory. Um, but no, the, the the extreme blanket that you're painting with there, the brush, it's 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 sobering. It is. It's 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 tough to hear that. And, and when you look at it that way, I three Fs is systematic of a, of a kid that's just not working in school. I mean, I, that's that's really what what it comes down to. And and I think you do have to step in. Now, just getting back to some of the sheer numbers of this, of those 125 schools, 23 of them indicated that their athletes could have no Fs at all. I think that's a good number. No, I mean, no Fs is pretty strict. Uh, and 23 of the schools went that route, and I like that. And this is basically what's called a, a no-pass, no-play policy. Fifteen of the schools indicated that their athletes could have as two or as many as three Fs and still participate. Um, the upside is seven of those 15 schools did have a minimum GPA. So if for some reason, and I don't know the math, if you have three Fs and, you know, five A's, I guess that will work out in your benefit and you can still be eligible. At least there's some minimum barrier to entry or minimum threshold for, for performance in the classroom. I, and I do like that. The, the, the most common academic standard for the number of F's a student could have was that the student athlete could still participate with one F. Like I said, you and I, I think we both agreed that's okay, probably a unique circumstance. And 87 schools in the study follow that policy of one F. I like that one. Um, Oh, by the way, it's also worth mentioning that uh, someone asked me on email this week, you know, what about incompletes? Well, they, they, by, I don't know if it's by state law, but uh, incompletes are counted as an F. So that would add on there by, by there. Um, you know what we're going to do? Uh, we have to, believe it or not, we have to go to another break. But when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about how, uh, not how, just, just how we're judging the athletes, but the punishments that are in place and what purpose they serve. But before we go to break, um, we're going to do a new segment here. And uh, I call this the Hey Coach Tony Piece of Garbage of the Week. And you guys may remember, um, I think it was last week or the week before, and it was reported by ABC News, uh, CBS, everybody. Uh, there was a dad at a, a playoff hockey game that shined a green laser in the light of opposing hockey players, temporarily, temporarily blinding a goalie. Um, we now have his name. And so if you got your pens and papers out, write down this name. 42-year-old Joseph Cordes. The parent of one of the, the Winthrop High School players was charged with, I guess the only thing they could really charge him with was disturbing the peace for shining this laser pointer at uh, one of the Medway Ashland players. And he is going to be summoned to East Boston District Court, uh, I think as early as tomorrow. Now, this guy did go uh, on record and said, I feel like a complete jerk. It was very stupid, completely immature for a 42-year-old man to be doing that. Uh, my daughter, the humiliation I put her through is sickening, to tell you the truth. 
So while the uh, Medway-Ashland officials petitioned to have the third period of that playoff game replayed, uh, the Massachusetts Interscholastic Athletic Association denied that request, which is unfortunate, uh, instead ruling that the, the victory would remain final. Now, throughout it all, the, the officials connected with both programs have really made it no secret that they are disgusted at the father's actions. They've been very public about that. Um, According to Winthrop superintendent, the girls didn't do anything wrong. They were playing a hockey game. Uh, an individual did something awful which affected these girls. It was unnecessary. It changed the whole dynamics of it all. It made a special night not so special anymore, and that was unfortunate. So, again, we want to take a quick moment to acknowledge our hate coach, Tony, piece of garbage of the week, which is uh, 42-year-old Joe Cordes from uh, Winthrop, Massachusetts. For those of you living anywhere near Winthrop, Massachusetts. There's a special at uh, the Price Club on toilet paper. Let's go buy up as many rolls as we can, and let's uh, redecorate this idiot's house. Uh, you have my blessing. Uh, all legal fees will be paid by uh, Hey Coach Tony Incorporated. All right, listen, you're, you're listening to Hey Coach Tony. Stick around. I'll be right back. Coach Tony. Hey, welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Hey Coach Tony. I'm Tony Fiorino, joined in studio by our good buddy, uh, Joe Ferrara. Uh, you know, I said I wasn't going to use your last name, and there it goes. So Joe from Brookfield, as, you, as he is uh, warmly known here in the show. We're talking about the State of the Union in terms of maintaining a threshold of academic performance for our athletes here in the United States. And we just went through how the kids are judged. So what I want to talk a little bit now about is the, the punishments that we associate for those kids who fail to meet those thresholds. Um, suspensions and the length of suspensions among these 125 schools in the study were basically all over the map. Joe, I don't know, if, before we get into it, what do you think might be a good punishment for a kid who's not making the grades? <laughs> I, I, I love a, putting you on the spot. There's a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> good punishment for the kid that's not making the grades? Well, i got to go back to school policy, which is uh, it may be part cop-out and part you know the, the lay of the land. Um, I know that, that where I'm working, it's, it's a probation period, uh, meeting with teachers. There's a checkpoint system where you have to meet with each teacher once a week. They give notes on homework, different categories. Um, and, and a piece that I didn't mention earlier is if you have two Fs, the next, I think it's a five-week period, when the next grades come out, we have a diagnostic and then a quarter grade, you can no longer have two Fs the next time or you will be ineligible even without three. So it's, it starts at two, and you must show improvement. So, I mean, in terms of punishment... During that, by, by the way, during that probation period, is the kid suspended or is he still eligible? Probation with two, okay, uh, two so failures. Still, yeah. yeah, so he's still eligible. He's eligible, okay. yes. <laughs> yeah. The, the piece that I, you know, I go back to is I don't know if there's any evidence out there that if I take the kid off the team... He's now going to spend that extra two hours studying. That, that's, that's, to me, fantasy land. You know, I think a kid is going to say, what do I do now? You know, I, I get back to my 12th graders. When I teach seniors, one of the pieces that I get once in a while is an athlete who says, I'm going to go to college next year, and I'm just going to concentrate on academics. I don't think I'll have time to do sports and academics. And I think that's a rarity. I think the more likely scenario is for four years, you've been balancing academics and athletics. Mm -hmm. I think when you go onto the college level, if you've been recruited and they think that you're ready to handle it, I think it's it's more of a mistake to drop the sports in that in that scenario. I, I personally found the transition to college athletics and balancing schoolwork a lot easier. I, I got to tell you, <clears throat> that's the best part. I mean, kids, especially my kids that are young, when I tell them what your class workload becomes as you get older, they don't realize that you know you're left to your own devices a lot more. Your time in the classroom is a lot less. Your 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 day to day hourly workload goes down dramatically. For the kid that doesn't like class, that they hate to be in class for that 40-minute block, that they work well on their own, it works out tremendously well. The biggest decision you have to make is you have to go to class, and then you're working on your own the rest of the week. Now, that's, not, that's easier said than done. 
Well, that's why freshman year is usually a sobering experience, and that, that's true. But what? Let's because there's a rehabilitation part to this. But what if I told you suspensions range from one week to half a school year? Wide range. One Wide week. range, and it may sound a little harsh, but you got to keep in mind any kid who became ineligible had different ways to get their eligibility back. You know, it's not just a punishment. It's a punishment with a purpose. Um, Twelve schools in this study had weekly grade checks so that if a student would bring his grades back up to passing, the kid could be eligible in as little as seven days. So it's not about saying, well, in other words, the bogey's out there. You're suspended for half a year or as early as seven days if you get your grades back up. That's motivation in my mind. Now, along those lines, 56 of the schools issued suspensions of three weeks, uh, 15 school days, or 21 calendar days. They're all different, but they're all the same. All right. Uh, students who were put on probation became eligible at the end of this time period only if their grades, again, met the minimum requirements. Now, that seems a little more fair, correct? Yeah, the seven-day piece is interesting if you're going to go ahead and say that we are going to have a minimum grade. See, that would, I didn't even think of that. That's a situation where we have, uh, for athletes, a minimum grade point average of 2.5. If you drop below it, you get one mulligan, it's a seven-day period, and now you're back eligible. If the, if the penalty is just that you, have, you can't be failing more than two classes, then the seven days becomes laughable. You, sure. you, you can't do the checkpoint that short. That's why I think minimum grades, is, it's an ongoing metric that you can gauge week to week. You really can do that, or worst case, month to month. Um, now, the schools with the strictest penalties gave out suspensions that lasted the entire grading period, ranging from six weeks to an entire semester. Uh, again, if you want to chime in on this, 855-HEY-COACH is the studio line. It's 855-439-2622. Uh, getting back to the study, though, it, it outlines some very innovative ideas on how high schools are dealing with academic suspension. So, you know, the ones I liked were the weekly grade checks that we discussed. Um, there are some other ones. And, you know, you talked about, is a kid going to take that time off and go study? Well, guess what? You can make them. One school, I shouldn't say one school, a couple of schools had this notion of having the honor society earn some of their credits by running study halls for the athletes. I thought that was a great one with a sign-in sheet. I think that was great. Peer group where you, you, you know what, you're going to have your opportunity to study. Whether you ultimately do or not is really up to you, but you're going to darn well be in the study hall. Um, another unique idea, which I really liked, um, is having the coaches coordinate study halls for these ineligible athletes. You can talk about, you know, are they going to use this time to st- like in other words, if I am, you know, Joe Schmo and I and I am a a, a sit back old school athletics coach and I'm going to complain to the AD that, you know, uh, they're not going to study. Well, guess what? Yeah, they are. You know why, Joe Schmo? Because you're going to do the study hall. You better start taking some pride in your program. And I always like when the buck stops at the coach. That's just the way I am. Now, something that's not as clear cut as you might think, is the notion of schools, and this moves on to our third point of the study, the notion of schools sticking to state guidelines. And and let me explain, because I thought this one was a lot more clear-cut than it really is. All 48 states in this study recommended some form of uh, academic eligibility requirement for the student-athletes. However, most of them were pretty limited, as we discussed. The requirements range from just being enrolled in a minimum number of courses, which I don't think is a minimum threshold at all, to a combination of minimum number of courses, no Fs, minimum GPA, uh, and even attendance policies, which is a lot more important than I initially thought. But of these 125 schools, 75 of them followed the minimum requirements set by their respective state associations, while 50 of them exceeded state association criteria. Now, okay, they were going to have a little bit of fun. And um, you know what? We, I'm going to try to. I'm going to read both these questions, and then we're going to go to a quick break. But I'm going to give you this. It's time for the uh, the second edition of the Hey Coach Tony version of the honeymoon 
Honeymooners' favorite, the $99,000 answer. Since it was such a big hit last week, we're bringing it back. By the way, you want to take a crack at some of these questions, just dial in right now at 855-HEY-COACH. It's 855-439-2622, and Adam will put you in the queue. Um, <clears throat> I tell you what, anybody gets one of these questions right, you're going to get a Hey Coach Tony coffee mug like the one I just gave to Coach Joe there. So I'm going to hold off for a few seconds after reading these questions, and we'll go to an earlier break, and then we'll come back and hit it. So the first question, <clears throat> of the 48 states represented in this study, how many do you think required a minimum GPA to be included as part of the criteria for eligibility? We'll see if anybody's paying attention. How many of the 48 states in this study decided that GPA should be included as part of the criteria for eligibility? While we're waiting for your calls at 855-HEY-COACH, um, I think it's important to note that I don't think that Joe, Adam, or any of the callers are going to get this one right. Just again, to see how well you've been paying attention. Um, all right, we'll, we'll give you a shot to take a crack at this when we get back. All right, one more time. Of the 48 states in the study, how many thought a minimum GPA should be part of the eligibility criteria? Now, the next question. Of the 48 states in the study, in how many states did all the high schools in that state follow the rules specifically set up for eligibility by the state associations? That's a tougher question. And again, you're not going to get it right. Just call and take a guess at 855-HEY-COACH. Of all the 48 states in the study, how many states had every one of their schools specifically following the guidelines set up by the state associations? All right, 855-HEY-COACH. It's 855-439-2622. Anybody gets that one right is going to get themselves a Hey Coach Tony coffee mug. Um, and, and I think you're going to be a little bit shocked and intrigued by these answers. Adam, we're going to be going to a little bit of an early break. Are we ready to rock? We're good to go. All right, man. You listen to Hey Coach Tony. Stick around. I'll be right back. Coach Tony. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Hey Coach Tony. Um, I'm your host, Tony Fiorino, joined in studio by our good friend, Coach Joe from Brookfield. Uh, by means of Valhalla High School in Westchester County. Having some fun this morning talking about minimum grade requirements. And, uh, and if it's not clear to you at this point, uh, it, it will be very soon that we are dropping the ball. I think there's no question that in general terms in the U.S., we are dropping the ball in terms of holding our student-athletes, not to even a higher standard, just hold them to that title, student-athlete. <clears throat> I can be corny and say student first, athlete second. But let's just stick to the reality. Uh, we're, we're not raising the bar. And in instances where the bar is being raised, guess what? The kids are meeting it or exceeding it. Don't quit on the kids. Hold them to a higher standard. Let's see what they do rather than just let them skate by. Um, all right. <clears throat> we're going to get to the segment that I like to call the $99,000 answer. Your Honeymooner fans are loving that. But, okay, we're going to get back to the first question. I'm going to give Adam first crack at this. So I'll repeat the question if you guys – oh, wait a minute. You know what? I tell you what. I'm going to repeat the questions, and we do have a caller. that I have to go to the callers first, Adam. We've got to pay the bills. But the first question is, of the 48 states represented in the study, how many think a minimum GPA should be part of the criteria? Second question is, of those 48 states, in how many states did all the high schools in that state follow the rules specifically set forth by the, uh, the state associations? And I believe we have Jeff calling in uh, on line three from Monroe, Connecticut. So uh, we're going to go to Jeff. Jeff, you're on. Hey, Coach Tony, how are you doing this morning? Good. Uh, I, I think uh, about 100% of them schools would uh, would follow that criteria of having a GPA for to be qualified to play for sports. I think that the ultimate goal is to is education, not the sports. I mean, that's the whole idea, isn't it? Um, you are preaching to the choir. 
Um, I will tell you, I'll give you one hint. And neither of these questions is the answer zero or 100%. Now, I wish it was 100%, Jeff. I got to tell you that. Let me ask you a question, Jeff. Do you coach? I, I just coach kids, young kids. I don't, I don't, no, I don't coach. Don't, don't say it like that. Hey, coaching kids is the toughest job of all. I got to tell you. Uh, <laughs> so you, you got my kudos. Let me ask you a question, Jeff. Is this your first time calling the show? Yes, it is. You enjoying the show? I love it. All right, tell you what, I, I love first-time callers. Take down my email, and I want you to send my, your address to heycoachtony at gmail.com or go up on the Facebook page. You know what, I just love your demeanor. I'm sending you a coffee mug. All right. All right, and I want you to drink from it with pride, my man. And please, okay. continue to spread the word to Monroe, Connecticut on our behalf. Thank you very much for calling. Unfortunately, uh, you get nothing for that answer, but I do love <laughs> the way you're thinking, my friend. I hope you have a great weekend. <laughs> Thanks a lot. You too. You too, Joe. Over there. Thanks, Jeff. There you go. All right. So listen. Obviously, the answer is not 100% of schools um, believe in the minimum GPA requirement. Adam, you care to chime in yeah, with gonna, your guess? Definitely. I'm going to give a stab at this one. I'm going to say. By the way, it's not per, the first one is not percentage. Okay. It's the number right, of schools. Number of schools. So I'm going to go with 15. 15. 15 states think there should be a minimum GPA. Yeah. No, uh, you're very wrong. <laughs> very wrong. Joe, uh, your chance to, to salvage Valhalla School District and, and, and the good people of Brookfield. Of those 48 states, how many think a minimum GPA should be required? I was going to go with words and say not enough. Uh, because I Well, think that would be the right answer, and you already have your mug, so I'll give you that one. Now let's see how good you really are. I, I, think, it's, uh, I think it's lower than that. I'm going to go with a dozen, 12. 12. No. No, but you are certainly thinking in the right direction. Certainly thinking in the right direction. All right. Of the 48 states represented in this study, the amount of states that think a minimum GPA should be required as part of that criteria, six. Six states chime in thinking that's the way it should go. I am shocked, appalled, and disgusted. I mean, I, I mean I'm not getting it. I got to tell you, when I, when I first... Was, uh, when someone first proposed doing the show on this topic, I'm like, this is going to be boring. I, I'm shocked. I'm really shocked. Don't you think one of the things, though, and I gotta, I gotta say, I try to look at things from different angles, every perspective. If you look back at it and say, uh, is a school, someone that's in a school, it's my my 13th year, day to day stuff. I'm trying to figure out a way where they could, they could monitor that. It would be, a, it would be a slow, painful policy change where they said, we're going to go to a minimum GPA. So. I can see why they haven't done it. I know you mentioned the states like Texas and California that have done it. And think, it worked. <laughs> I wonder sometimes about population, uh, if, if, it's, if it's different. I wonder what schools they're, they're talking about. Well, again, these are, the study is just random schools. And, again, in, in, this, in the case of Texas, you can talk population. It was a statewide initiative. I mean, that, was, that is, a, is a big deal. All right, listen, but I want to talk more about that, but I, I do also want to get back to the, to, the, to the phones here because I believe we got Steve from Putnam who's calling in. Uh, Steve, we'll take a crack at how many states uh, exist where all the schools follow the guidelines set forth by the state. Hey, Steve, you're on Hey Coach Tony. How are you doing this morning? Hey, Coach Tony, love the show. You guys rock, man. We rock? Do we officially rock? Official. It's official. I'm loving, I'm loving Coach Joe, too. It's a great thing. Awesome. Well, Coach Joe's been a great guest. So let me ask you this. You want to take a crack at this second question? Of the 48 states that were surveyed in this study, how many of those states had all their high schools follow the rules specifically set up for eligibility by those state associations? That's tough. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 10. 10. Not, not a bad guess. Not a bad guess, Steve. Um, 
By the way, I got to ask you now too. Uh, when I heard, when I saw Steve, I thought it was going to be our buddy Steve from Katona, who's been a loyal fan of the show. This is Steve from Putnam. Is this the first time calling the show? It is, Tony. Yeah. Dude, all right. Are you digging the show? I know we rock, but are you digging it? Yeah, I like it. I think you guys cover some really uh, in-depth issues, and, and it's a good show. And it, it seems like uh, you guys have all your bases covered. I mean, I don't know how many other people are doing a. Uh, a show like yours, but I really do enjoy listening on Saturday mornings. I tell you what, you keep spreading the word, and you know what? You send me an email at heycoachtony at gmail.com. I'll give you a mug, too. I'm just giving away. You know why? By the way, you know why I'm giving away the mugs? There's a guy who did a caricature of me. If you've gone to the Facebook site, I got a new, uh, I got a new uh, mug, no pun intended, and I've got like a whole bunch of new mugs coming in. So I'm cleaning out stock. So Steve, <laughs> even though you, you and Jeff got the answer wrong, you're both getting mugs. So I appreciate you listening to the show, man, and keep spreading the word. Well, thanks so much. All right, man. All right, so um, this time we're going to go to Joe first, and then Adam will have his chance to redeem himself. Adam, you work for the show, man. you got to do a better job. My, my daughter, Sophia, was the only one who got a question right last week, and now you guys are coming up empty here. I know. Joe, of the 48 states in the study, how many states had all their schools in compliance with the minimum requirements set forth by the state? Zero. Now, didn't I just... Oh, you said Jesus, there was no zero. Didn't I just say none of them were zero or a hundred? Yes, you did. And you teach in Valhalla. God, God save the kids in Valhalla. You teach there, too? I do, absolutely. God. All right, anyway, I'm gonna give, now I've got to give you another shot at it. I mean, I can't give you another answer besides six. I, I, I went with half a dozen this time again. All right, so uh, Steve said uh, ten. You say six. I will tell you that uh, another good guess, unfortunately, sir, you are wrong. You, you lose. You get nothing. Good day, sir. Adam... <laughs> You want to save the show? All right, I'm going to save the and show save here. Me. What do we got? Nine. Nine. No. Oh, damn. <laughs> well, again, <laughs> in, in, in all fairness, I told you I wasn't expecting you guys to get any of those right. And no. I will tell you that closest to that is, uh, is our good friend Joe. Oh. The answer, <clears throat> there are only four states, only four states that where every school, and obviously Texas being one of them, um, followed the guidelines set forth by the state. Now, i got to tell you, I had to go back. And make sure I was reading that one correctly. Only four states had all their schools adhering to the state guidelines. I don't know. In all other cases, this is where it gets funny. Individual schools developed their own participation policies with varying terms of accountability. In fact, in Ohio, <laughs> the state association guidelines recommend that the individual schools set their own GPA requirements. Now, what sense does that make? Joe, I mean... Uh, am I the only one that thinks this is nuts, that the state is saying, you guys, individual schools, you figure it out on your own? Well, you, you know, the way you word that last part of it, I, I can understand it, because what's happening is you're saying, all right, Valhalla, there are, uh, there's a state guideline, but we are leaving it up to the schools to decide if you want to deviate from that. Now, I'm not, I wasn't aware that you can go below what the state recommends, or, or if, is what you're saying that the state doesn't even have a minimum in that case? No, no, the states all have their guidelines that they suggest. And again, suggest is the weakest term imaginable. But in, like I said, in only four states did all of the schools adhere to those guidelines. And by the way, my first reaction was the same as yours. All right, your school, you want to set higher standards, lower standards, it's up to you. But let me explain why that is the dumbest thing ever. Because it took me a while. Matter of fact, I woke up at 3 this morning. <clears throat> I rolled over and said, wow, here it is. And if you buy that, I got a bridge for sale. But anyway, the point is, think about it. Valhalla. Valhalla is playing White Plains next week. You could have two schools anywhere in this country, right down the block from each other, where one school has a kid majoring in finger painting and failing it, uh, at that, and he's playing, while the other school has an ineligible kid 
who has a 2.4 GPA where the school requires a 2.5. I'll say it again. Joe Finger Painter, and I can't, I'm sorry to say Joe because you're in studio, but that doesn't mean, I'm not taking a shot at you. Joe is a very common name, okay? So, so Joe Mongo is taking finger painting and failing and scoring 25 points a game where Tony Brainiac, wow, what a coincidence, I'm the smart guy, has a 2.4, but I'm ineligible because my school decided to hold a higher standard. Now you've got two teams playing against each other in a very unfair, unbalanced fashion because we're following different guidelines. But I feel like that's a scenario where it's a reason why one athletic, athletic director wouldn't raise the bar. Because if everyone, if see, everyone else is doing it. Here's where it is. And I, know, I like that you're being contrarian. Instead of saying that's why you'll have um, an athletic director who's not raising the bar, I would look at the other, the other way and say it's, uh, it's upsetting that, that he's not. In other words, you know, it, it, don't penalize the guys for raising the bar. Penalize the guys for not raising the bar. Absolutely, but the only the only effect that's going to happen is they're going to be penalized in wins and losses. Now, if they come out and say, we're not worried about wins and losses, we're raising the bar, then you can't have it both ways. You can't then complain when a school beats you by using policies that are lower than yours. I guess, like I said, I just, I just think that in cases where they push it to the individual school, you just have – I guess I just don't see that it's, it, it's fair. I, I just don't see that it's fair that the star quarterback – you know, is is uh, and I hate to pick on football players because I love football players, but you got you know uh, a, a Mongo who doesn't take classes seriously, and he's rewarded to play Friday night when you know you got a kid who, like I said, point one shy of a two five, and you're ineligible, and they're on the same field. It it doesn't add up, and I don't know if I have the answer to it other than I think two point oh. You know what? I do have the answer to it. Two point oh. If you can't hit a two point oh in high school, you know what? <laughs> I, I, I can't say what, I'm, what I was going to say. I got in trouble for saying it once before. But you, I think you know, if you can read my mind, let's just say that if you can't get a 2.0 in high school, come on, something's wrong. I don't know why any school would put strict standards in place. And, and by the way, getting to your point, part of it is, is futility. Why would a school then go put these high standards in place knowing that the school down the block that's in your section, in your conference, doesn't? And they're getting their kids to skate by. I don't know. Only four states. Kind of sad. Um, by the way, I think it's important. We did get one email from, uh, from one of the athletic directors. I don't know if you remember Eric Swallow from Southington High School. He was a great guest on the show. He was here a couple of weeks ago. And he wrote in and said, Tony, the uh, CIAC has eligibility standards that you can access online. At Southington High School, we adhere to the CIAC standard. If a student athlete does not meet that standard, then they're placed on the ineligibility list and cannot practice or play until they've raised their grades. There is no slide at Southington High School. In respect to other school districts, some do have higher standards. It depends on the district. I would suggest referencing those for your show. Um, Eric, that was a great concept. Um, I had no desire to go do additional research, but anybody else who's interested can go to www.cascic.org. Um, folks, what's becoming clear, by virtue of this study, what's becoming clear is that only a small percentage of high schools in this wonderful country of ours, has a minimum GPA requirement for athletic eligibility. The sad part is that the schools that had minimum standards, um, I mean, and I mean low standards, they justified these standards by stating that athletics keeps kids in school. In other words, if these kids weren't eligible to participate in sports, they would drop out of school. I don't, I don't know what you think about that, Joe, but... There's truth to it. Uh, yeah, but there's truth to it, but guess what? So 
the point is, if we don't allow them to get crappy grades, they might drop out. No, what's the, wait, hang on. What's the difference between dropping out and having a worth, truly worthless piece of paper in the form of an empty diploma? I mean, either way, in the, the, kid's in the not, long run, okay. not, not much. But I mean, to have the actual diploma, obviously, I think speaks for itself. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to give a kid who skates by the quality of education. Obviously, but it's certainly going to benefit him to say that he's a high school graduate on a real basic level. Yeah, but either way, it, whether the kid drops out or, or skates by with a .71 in some of these cases, they're not going to get into a, anything resembling a decent school. No. They're not going to get anything resembling a decent job. So if that's your best argument as a coach or an AD, why not let them drop out and start their crappy jobs? Hey, yo, Joe's Car Wash is hiring, guy. McDonald's needs somebody on fries. Get them started now. At least they'll put a couple extra bucks in the bank instead of wasting our time and our tax dollars. Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think Eric said it best in that email, though. I mean, if you just substituted Eric's name for a number of other athletic directors uh, in Connecticut and certainly in New York, I think it would, it would make as much sense. We follow the standards. Um, we don't have a minimum grade point average, but we do have minimum requirements. Um, I think I think that's something to look at that way. Well, I got to tell you, Joe, it was a real pleasure having you on the show. You were, you've always been a great caller. I, you've been a terrific guest in the studio. You are certainly welcome back anytime. Um, hey, folks, we haven't solved this one, but I hope we shed a little bit of light on it. Minimum grade requirements for our student athletes. I think we're dropping the ball. Um, Hey, listen, be sure to join me every Saturday at 9 a.m. for Hey Coach Tony on 940 and 1510 ESPN Radio. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of the weekend. 